You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, fantastic to be here. Real privilege to speak. Uh, I know that we often see September as the start of a new year. Uh, yesterday, I dropped my daughter at university. I say dropped, I stopped the car and let her get out. This afternoon, I'm taking my other son to university um, down in Reading. It's, it's often a chance for us, even as a church, just to think, oh, how do we look back and thank God for some of the things that have gone on? And I guess partly a vision, I'm, I'm always geared and pumped up, I think, oh, where are we going to go? But actually, I want to say, God, what have you done in the last year? How do we say thank you? If you, some of you would know you might have been here a year ago, many of you wouldn't have been. Last year, we employed Joseph and Abby, and I think they've done an outstanding job this year. And I just look back and I just want to say, Father, thank you for that. We've seen eight people baptized since Christmas. I just want to look back and say, Father, isn't that amazing? Thank you for that. I know that I, I'm not going to name every baby, every wedding, every dedication, but I think there's been so many community things that we can thank God for. I know that Joseph and Megan invited another church youth group to go to New Day, which is an event we do. Well, there's 7,000 teenagers there, and, and three young people from the other youth group responded to Jesus. I mean, isn't that wonderful? We've been involved in that. This last week, we had 123 people at the play group that we run. That was started a year ago. Some of you think, man alive, I'm glad I go to work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you don't go to work, you could get involved in a play group like that. I look back on this year, we had the Watoto Choir come from Uganda. I don't know if you remember, if you were here for that one. It was just inspirational. And it's so good, isn't it, just to often take that step and look back. And I wish I could talk about things that we've done in Tanzania or Istanbul, Germany, Amsterdam, Canada. I haven't got time for all of that right now. But I do think it's great to look back and say thank you. And they Sandra stirred us, didn't she, in the worship. There's so many things to thank God for. But I'm also pumped to look forward. And Vision Sundays are like that, aren't they? We have this week of prayer. I mean, I just love this. You know, we've been encouraged about how we get involved in that. I love the fact that we've got this ladies uh, meetup that's happening on Saturday afternoon in Courage. I love the fact that Ealing Half Marathon contacted us and said, your corridor of encouragement was so great last year, you are doing it again this year. I don't know if you're aware, we had drummers outside and handed out tea coffee. I love the fact that we bless this community. I love the fact that we're kicking off another Alpha. If you really want to enjoy Alpha... Join my wife's meetup on a Monday because when you run, you'll enjoy the food more on a Tuesday. <laughs> we can offer you everything going forward. There's so much. I love the fact we're going to be appointing elders this term. I'm going to talk more about that later. I love the fact that we're going to bless this community. I'll be sharing about some of that. I love the fact we're going to do a Christmas party for the foster families in this room on the 3rd of December. I love the fact that. Next term, we'll have celebrated this church being five years old. We've all that to look forward to. And in the midst of that, I really believe God's given me this scripture that we're going to look at. So before I read the Bible, I'm going to pray. Father, we are so grateful for the last year. Oh, it's so easy just to rush on. Father, we want to say thank you. We want to pause and say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. 
Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your goodness. Oh, there's so many things. that We could probably stop and one person after another just, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. We say thank you. I pray as we look at the Bible now, you'd speak to us. It will come alive. Your living word will, will grab us and inspire us in Jesus' name. Amen. Great, if you've got a Bible, it's on your phone or you've actually got a, a book, it's well worth looking at the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, four accounts of the life of Jesus. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 26. It's called Jesus Anointed at Bethany. Bethany was just a place outside of Jerusalem, about a couple of k's outside of Jerusalem. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You see, the way you live reflects the way you see. The way you live reflects the way that you see. So as you heard earlier, my wife is running the half marathon next Sunday. She's raising money for Uganda. Why? Because she went out there and she saw the poverty and thought, I've got to try and do something for this place. She's done so much that one day when I was at work, she sold my guitar on Gumtree. <laughs> I didn't actually have a chance to kiss it goodbye. I came home and she said, I've raised, I've sold your guitar. You haven't played it. I said, oh great, should we go out for dinner on it? She said, no, I've given the money to Uganda. You know, suddenly now I think, what else do I need to screw to the floor before I leave for work? Why? Because actually she's been so captivated by, I could help over there that I want to do something right now. You see, the way she sees affects the way that she lives. And then in this Bible passage, we've got this woman that actually the way she sees Jesus affects the way that she lives. How do you see Jesus? I, I wish I could read the whole of this passage to you because the passage just before this, the few verses before it, the high priest sees Jesus as a threat. And so what he decides to do? Let's get him arrested let him get him killed. Let's get rid of him. I can't stand this Jesus. That's how the high priest sees him. The, the, the passage straight after this bit that I've just read is Judas. And he plans to sell Jesus for a bit of personal profit. I guess he's just got fed up with the story that's been going on. 
And then sandwiched in between this, this almost hatred and despising of Jesus, we've got this picture of this woman. She sees Jesus as someone to love. What did she do? It's true love. She brings a jar of very expensive perfume. They say that this, this perfume was made from a root of a plant in India. There wasn't modern travel like there is now. Somebody would have got this. They would have got the extract out of it. It would have been made something very special and beautiful. It's traveled a long way, worth a year's salary. God, that's 10,000 pounds for me. <laughs> okay, I'm being cheeky. What is it for you? How much do you earn in a year? Some of you, that's your whole meeting gone now. You're going to sit there and work that out. Let's be honest, there probably be some people in this room that earn three figures. This woman takes a whole year's salary and pours it out on Jesus. That is extravagant, isn't it? Johnny Erickson She's an author from the States, a Christian girl that had a diving accident at a very young age. She's now in a wheelchair and speaks powerfully about God. She says this, love is extravagant in the price it is willing to pay, the time it is willing to give, the hardship it is willing to endure, and the strength it is willing to spend. Love never thinks in terms of how little but always in terms of how much. It's almost like Johnny understands this woman. It's not how little could I pour out on Jesus, it's how much. And so often, true love, when it's poured out, all it's got says, that wasn't quite enough. I wish I could have given more. We've not begun to be Christians if we can think of giving to Christ and his church in terms of how little we can respectably get away with. You see, this true love, this action of this woman, what she did was she broke the bottle. This story is actually recorded in all four Gospels. Now, there's some commentators that think one of them was, was there was two different events. But Jesus being anointed by a woman is actually occurs in all four Gospels. And it tells us in Mark that she broke the jar because she was not going to put anything back. You see, in those days, if people are a little bit smelly and that, what they might do is they might just put a little... I'm not suggesting you're smelly, Anna. They might just put a little bit of perfume on the head when they arrive as an anointing so that when you're together, they smell nice. There's a fragrance. There's a blessing. Just do a little bit, you know, and then maybe put the stopper back in the bottle and keep it for another time. Whereas actually what this woman does is she breaks it. She wants to dispense it completely. Oh, golly, you know what I'm saying? You think, a year's salary. Why not just take a little bit and say, there? But actually she throws the whole lot in. Tom Wright, he's a retired bishop now, but he's a New Testament scholar. He says, when people start to be captivated by him... This is Jesus, not Tom. And his path to the cross, the love this produces, is extravagant. 
And I want us to try and understand something here of this woman. This was just, and it, some of you would never have heard this before. And you think, man, alive, why she's doing it? Some of us, if we're really honest, we've heard this many times. And we think, okay, the woman anoints Jesus. She was a radical woman. We don't know everybody that was in the room. But what we do know is that Simon was there. We believe, actually, from the account of John, that Lazarus was there, which was her brother. I'll talk more about that later. And we believe that Jesus was there. And we believe that the rest of the disciples were there, just from some of the comments. So suddenly, you've got 14 or 15 men that are sat on their backsides doing nothing. And this woman steps up. So easy, isn't it, to think, well, I'll step up when everyone else does. And then I started reading the bigger passage because I think when you look at the Bible in the bigger picture, I think, wow, so many people were against Jesus at this time. We know that he's betrayed by Judas. We know that he's denied by Peter. We know he's abandoned by the disciples. We know he's rejected by the Jewish nation. We know he's convicted by the Sanhedrin. We know he's crucified by the Romans. We know he's taunted by the passerbys. We know he's insulted by the criminals. We know he feels abandoned by his father. But we know this woman pours out love. Will you stir yourself to be radically extravagant for Jesus? Or will you be one of the crowd that reacts in a different way? Will you stir yourself like this woman that actually thinks, you know, I'm going to do it? Or will you be one of the others? I think this passage is provoking us this morning. I want to press it one step further. I'm talking to myself. I really am. I feel challenged preparing this. I couldn't get over the phrase that the disciples, the disciples say. Yeah, the, the disciples, these were the people that, you know, for years had wandered with Jesus. These were the people that had left family and home and all this kind of stuff for Jesus. And yet the disciples say, what? Why this waste? Why? Because even after their sacrifice, they were blown away by how big that was. It says they were indignant. I'll be honest, I sat here all week thinking, when has anybody ever charged, charged me with being extravagant for Jesus? When has anyone ever said, Pete, why that waste? Pete, you're just going overboard. <laughs> you know, calm down. I think, oh God, how could I be stirred by this woman and suddenly think I could be different? She courageously pursued Jesus. So that even the other disciples were saying, why the waste? She takes the opportunity that is right there in front of her. We have the benefit. We can read the book of Matthew. We know that actually he, he, he dies within days. We know that as a criminal, he would not have been anointed for burial. We know that prophetically, she was basically anointing him for burial. She didn't know that. She just took the opportunity in front of her. She took the opportunity to think, I'm going to come in and anoint this guy. And I guess it challenges me again. Do I take the opportunities that are presented? 
Am I there jumping up thinking, right, I've got an opportunity. I could do something for Jesus. This week, this day, this month, who knows what it's going to be, but I could, I could do something for Jesus. Or am I still reclining at the table? I find this woman so provocative. What did she do? Well, I think we understand what she did by what she saw. What did she see? Well, as I said, in the book of John, this woman is named as Martha. Therefore, we believe that she was a friend of Jesus. But what I find fascinating right here in Matthew, she's not named. He does not record her name. You know why? Because Matthew was more impressed with her activity than her identity. And if we're really honest, we're more impressed with people knowing our identity than our activity. That's why social media has taken off and can become so popular. Because actually what we'd love is people to say, here I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going on. Whereas actually Matthew's recording this and saying, actually this was her activity. Why did she do it? Why? Because I believe she saw Jesus as a friend. This is Martha and I believe it was. She was the one that sat at the feet of Jesus and listened while Mary was rushing around. Because that's what friends do, isn't it? They just sit there and they listen and they engage. She craved time with him and didn't fulfill the expectations of society that says, oh, you should be out there helping at this time. That's what Martha was like. She didn't just see Jesus as a friend. I believe that she saw Jesus as a king. Why do I say that just from this passage? Why? Because actually she anointed him, and anointing was a sign of recognition of kingship. So in the Old Testament, we know that Samuel, who was a prophet, who was a man from God, he was to, 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 to go and anoint David. Why? Because David was to become the king. And so actually this woman, by anointing, what she was saying is, Jesus, I recognize you as a friend, but I recognize you as more than a friend. I recognize you as the king. In fact, if you read uh, uh, David's son, Solomon, wrote a book called Song of Songs, and it starts in chapter 1 about this woman anointing the king. And we believe it's the same perfume, nard, because actually this nard was often used in palaces because it was that expensive and that royal. And so here she is, she's almost saying, look, I've recognized throughout the history of our society that people have anointed the king with this, and therefore, Jesus, I anoint you because you are my king. That's something of the picture that comes across here. Not only was he the king, as the anointed one, that literally in that society meant the Messiah. Now, it's funny, because we can throw that name around quite easy. When I was a kid... Um, Kevin Keegan was the greatest footballer on planet Earth. Some of you think you've never heard of him, Pete. He was a little short guy. He was the mouse with the lion's roar. That's what they used to say about Kevin Keegan. He was a great striker. He played for Newcastle. Anyway, obviously, he retired, and he came back to manage Newcastle, and Newcastle nicknamed him the Messiah. Because they thought, he's coming back and he's going to lead us. Well, it didn't work so well and they sacked him, you know what I'm saying? But actually, in this society, they didn't throw that name around like we might with some football manager. 
Actually, they were always looking for this one, this anointed one from God. And that's what she was seeing. There's a guy, uh, I'm not sure if this quote's up here, so um, a guy called Michael Wilkins. He's a professor of New Testament. He says, the value of the perfume is representative of her belief in Jesus the Messiah. It's almost like the more that she was committed to invest showed how committed she was that Jesus was the Messiah. She put in a year's salary. Some of you are panicking. We're not taking an offering after this. I'm not trying to build up to a big gift day. What I think is this Mary, sorry, Martha, she understood Jesus as her friend, her king, the Messiah. She understands him as Lord. She understood that actually this Jesus in front of her was going to be Lord of all. And he was the one that she should bow before. Therefore, she willingly offers everything to him. Paul writes to the church in Romans. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of worship. It's almost like, I think, I think she understood that. She saw Jesus as the Lord, the one to be obeyed. I believe that she saw Jesus as a saviour. You see, even this, if you read the books, the disciples wanted to try and get a sword out and stop people killing Jesus. But Mary worships him and prepares him for his death. You see, her view and her understanding of Jesus led to this extravagant act. Let me ask you the question. What's your view of Jesus? What is my view of Jesus? How will you pour yourself out when we talk in terms of vision? I've got five ways that I would like to challenge us to pour ourselves out if we believe Jesus is who he says he is. They all begin with G. I've tried to keep it simple. The first is grace. Oh, that's an interesting one. I believe that the week of prayer is not a legalistic thing. It's a, it's a week of grace. You see, before you do anything, you sit at the feet of Jesus. And so to me, before we kick off on a, on a new term of busy stuff, and before we go charging in, this is a week to say, yeah, actually I'm going to fast a day, or fast a meal, or a couple of days. I'm going to take time out. I'm not going to watch quite as much telly this week. In fact, I'm going to get home from work earlier because I'm going to go to this because I'm, I'm going to fast something because I'm going to meet with God. And this is a way of grace. This is a way of us sitting and looking at him. This is not just about a list of, of, of prayers of, of what we're going to say. I believe this is a means of grace. It says in Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who's unable to, to feel sympathy for our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way. That's Jesus. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I, I would challenge you, I think someone's challenged me, make at least two meetings this week. Say, so, you know what, this is just going to be a grace encounter. What an opportunity. How else do I think we could pour ourselves out to Jesus? Well, I think the second thing I'd like to say is we can grow. 
Grow as believers. Grow as disciples of Jesus. This is the whole reason that we, we're doing these great meetups. Make friends, grow in faith, share life together. There's a sense here of, actually, what do you contribute? As well as what do you get? That's part of us growing, isn't it? You suddenly think, oh, these, there's some amazing... I'm always amazed at the creativity of, of the options that we've got here. And I think, wow, this is an opportunity for us to grow. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, from him, this is Jesus Christ, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. I just encourage you, meet up, it says what it does on the tin, you know what I'm saying? Meet up with one another, encourage one another, stir one another. Is Jesus your friend? Your Lord, you say, get involved. Okay, let's just go off peace and get myself in real trouble. What about baptism? Have you ever been baptized? Because I think your actions reflect what you don't believe about Jesus. Do you just want him as your saviour or do you acknowledge him as your Lord? Or you say, actually, I will pour out myself. I will look slightly stupid because I'm going to have to stand up in front of people and tell a story and I may get slightly embarrassed about it, but I'll do it because he's my Lord. I will get in a pool of water in front of loads of people, I'll do it because he is my Lord. If you've never been baptised, is this the term for you? For all of us... Do I need to swap? For all of us, I think there's the challenge even about the half marathon next weekend. How do we go? This is not a weekend just to say, if I can say this in the nice, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just have a lie-in. Oh, it's the it's healing half marathon. We're going there because we want to bless this borough. You know what I'm saying? Don't you think it, it'll be amazing? People just think, Wow, who are all these enthusiastic people that are out there cheering everyone on? Why are they all having so much fun together? I ran it last year, and it's just incredible when you go past it, and everyone's banging on the, and you think, whoa, you know, I, I think I could do it. And, it, and people go, oh, who is up with that lot? Because we just want to bless people. That's why I say, that's why we go. I've mentioned this before and I mention it again. We have got a specific weekend coming up in November, the 22nd to the 26th. If you can possibly take the Thursday and Friday off work, this will be a great chance for you to think, I'm going to go, I'm going to do something, I'm going to pour myself out for Jesus. If you want to know more details, write it in your diary right now, the 26th of September. If you think, Pete, I'm struggling to make that, don't worry, I've got a Sunday afternoon on the 15th of October. It's going to be, you think, hey, I, I, I want to make sure that I've looked at Jesus and I've now got something to offer other people. Okay, let's get on to the money thing. It was going to come up eventually. What could you give? I, I, I personally feel totally unworthy to speak on this. I've not given a year's salary in one lump sum. I mean, this woman challenges me. 
We know in the Bible it says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. If you've never given, I encourage you to start. If you do give, do it regularly. If you do it regularly, up it to a tithe. If you tithe, go beyond, be generous. What is our view of Jesus? I don't know who gives what, but I do know about number five. You see, the fifth thing that I'm going to say that we can pour out to Jesus is, will you graft? Yeah, not quite the easiest G to remember. I'm asking, will you pitch in and serve on a Sunday? Paul, who wrote many of the New Testament letters, says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God. All our teams, Edward, people doing refreshments, do once a month. My goal for the church is this. Everybody serves on one team and nobody has to serve on two. And so if everyone says, you know what, I could step up, I could do that, I could do the setup, I could do the kids, wouldn't that be fantastic? I know my time is gone. I think we've looked back and we've looked forward, but I want to end by this. We need to look up. Go on, just physically, look at the ceiling, just for one moment. Quite inspiring, really, isn't it? I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually. Tim Hughes, he's a British singer, worship leader, has this song on his album. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. Amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You give everything for me. And nothing's going to hold me back. Nothing's going to hold me back. I love it, don't you? What he's saying is, actually, if my vision of you is so clear, it's not going to stop me. It's not going to stop me praying. It's not going to stop me getting along to a group. It's not going to stop me being involved in the church. Why? Because my vision of him is that clear. Tim Hughes is a modern songwriter. Isaac Watts wrote hymns hundreds of years ago. In fact, he wrote 750 hymns. And some would say he wrote the most famous one ever. And one of the verses goes like this. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul my life, my all. You see, I believe that these worship guys have understood what this woman did. They've understood that actually they, they, she was so captivated by her view of Christ, the way she lived her life was radically different. And I guess if there's anything I could say to us today, it would be this, look up at him. Look up at him. And I know that we're going to step up. I know that there'd be a challenge I know that, oh, I told you we're doing this uh, Christmas party for foster families in the borough. I know that some of you would need to stay around on Sunday afternoon and organize the games and the activities. I know that you think, oh, it's my Sunday and I could be home. But actually, if we're looking at him, you think, do you know what? I'll do it. I know that next week, all the roads will be closed. And you think, oh, how do I get there for nine o'clock? I don't know. You're a creative bunch. I'm not going to tell you the answers to everything. 
But actually, if you look at him, you think, you know what, I'll do it. Whatever the cost, I'll do it because he's worth it. You think, oh, I know you work really hard traveling in and out of London, long hours just to keep your, your job. And then I say, I will pray twice a week. But actually, I think if you've got a view of him, you think, you know what, I can make it happen. You're saying, what, really, Pete? You want me to sign up for a group nine weeks in a row? No, it's not about that. It's about him. If we don't do it for him, let's not do it anyway. But if we've got captivated by him, I think we just see some extravagant things happen. The book of Matthew doesn't tell us the lady's name. But what does it tell us? Jesus says this, whenever the gospel is told, this will be told. Because what he says is what you do for me won't be forgotten. What you do for me won't be forgotten. And, and I think that's the promise, even for this lady. And I believe that's the promise now. And, and you know, I might never see what you do, but God will. And he's the one that richly rewards. So if I want to stir you in terms of vision, I just want to provoke us to say, oh, Jesus, you're so wonderful. We're going to live for you. Let's pray, shall we? And then I'll hand back to these guys. Jesus, we are amazed that you went to the cross for us, that you died for us, that you literally gave up your entire life for us. Like Isaac Watts, we say, were the whole realm of nature mine, that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands my life, my soul, my all. And yet, if we're honest, that's a tough, tough thing to do. We get tired, we get lazy, we get busy, we get disappointed. I pray now that you'll be the lifter of our heads. I pray now that we don't leave this room suddenly thinking, oh, I've got to do this for Pete. <laughs> I pray instead we'll lift up our heads and think, Jesus, we're so in love with you. We don't even want to go from this place looking backwards or looking forwards. We want to go from this place looking up and saying, you're worthy of it all. Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Whatever it is you're asking us to pour out in this next term, whatever it is that we're to sacrifice, whatever cost you ask us to pay in this next year, I pray we'll be looking up to you and say, you're worthy. We ask this all in your name. Amen.